Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. 3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon on a Thursday. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. It's Trent Condon and Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you spending some of your morning here with us as we talk sports and we will talk a ton of football coming up on the program today. Uh, to begin with, we're going to take a look at two of the regional teams, 1025 and in the same segment, once we get through with Nick Athen, who uh, at Chiefs Insiders, where you can follow Nick on Twitter, primetimesportstalk.com, is his website. It's pretty good stop. Uh, one-stop shop, a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of links. Uh, if you're into those kind of things, want to go down a rabbit hole, a sports rabbit hole, uh, primetimesportstalk.com. Nick Athen coming up 1025. We'll hear from Dave Sinekin, theheadcheese.com is his blog. He covers the Packers. Packers got off on the right foot. So we'll take a look at those two. Then Lee Sterling, who swept the board last week. Was that right? I think he was 4-0. Wow. That, that's, that's a good start to I'll the season. Say, I'll I say. mean, it's, Four and one is what I went. Not quite as good as Lee, but yeah, I'm not a professional. Good. No, <laughs> you're pretty good at it. Well, I should say that everybody <laughs> some, has some their moments, yeah. right? Uh, Lee Sterling certainly had his last weekend. He was four and zero. He will join us here today uh, in his regular spot during the football season. Ten minutes before the hour of eleven o'clock every Thursday. Bill Bender from the Sporting News will opine on the Big Ten, now the Pac-12, maybe the Mountain West. Where does that leave the MAC? Dot, dot, dot. Uh, a lot of conferences, the, at least the conferences that decided to sit out, are having second thoughts. And testing played a huge role in it, the rapid testing. I don't think there's any uh, if ands, or buts about that. Uh, and finally, Mark Morehouse, who uh, covers the Hawkeyes at the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark will join us at uh, 11.25. He and Scott Darkerman right now are in the throes of doing, I would assume, will be a lengthy podcast for those two guys. It always is. And uh, it'll be up at uh, gazette.com coming up, who knows, probably early this afternoon. But Mark will join us at 11.25. After a long two days, we get football back tonight. Although baseball was really fun last night. It was a good night. It It was was, uh, a great night. You know, it was difficult the first two nights of that series to to stay with it. Because your team was getting bludgeoned? Because it was. And it was a little bit frustrating. But I like to have those frustrations. We talked about that. Oh, I think it was about a month ago, the first time I got really upset at my team mm-hmm. when they were in the middle of that five, six-game losing streak, whatever it turned out to be. And the same thing the first couple of games of the series. But to be honest, it's uh, you look at the playoff structure, I, it feels inevitable that the Twins will probably get the Yankees again. Mm-hmm. But And they're playing well, too. By and the way. they are, yeah. And you saw that again last uh-huh. night against your Blue Jays. But it's baseball. And anything can happen, these short series... We could have something wild here. I mean, we we might be talking about 
Padres taking on the Orioles if, if the Indians continue their free fall. It just, you don't know what can happen with all these short series, how different it's going to be. We talked about this yesterday. We uh, began our TV show again uh-huh. over on Mediacom you know, MC22. It was It was good to see the crew, crew yeah. across the street as it ended, like everything else in the middle of March. Um, and it was good to get over there back to MC22, to Mediacom building on Ingersoll, and see the crew and actually tape our show. Yeah, and you can you can see us. We're on three, four times during the weekend. It's called Inside the Numbers, so people can check that out. You're a Mediacom subscriber and uh, watch our program as we talk sports wagering for a complete show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do that some days here, too, but <laughs> we take it to another level over there. But just talking about the way that things are set up, you mentioned the Dodgers. We we're talking about baseball futures, and they're just such a prohibitive favorite. And you can't bet them. You can't. And in an eight-game playoff structure, I think it even takes the chances to another A three-game series to open it up, even against... In a, an eight-team playoff. Or eight, yeah. yeah. The, the Giants are not good. It's not a good baseball team. But taking two out of three? Yeah. Trent, there's going to be a lot of not good baseball teams qualified yes. for this thing this year. And then going forward, because the at least the talk is, and there's been nothing uh, approved by the Players Association and by the league, look for these playoffs, the expansion of the playoffs, uh, to remain after the 2020 season comes and goes. Yeah, Manfred said that the other day. He was on a radio show or a podcast. I can't remember what, what it was, but he had said they're looking very much at keeping this structure going forward which I don't know if I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, but you didn't like the runner on second base. I didn't. I didn't. But the 162, over the course of a full regular season, the the separation between the haves and the Mm haves-nots, I was, though I am more of a baseball purist, I was fine with the first wild card that came right after the strike and and they expanded things there. I was fine with that. This one, though, up to eight. We're going to be talking about teams that are... 78 and 84 getting in mm. and having a real possibility. And then those short series where you play 162 to get the one seed. I'd even be fine maybe seven teams in each league and the top team gets a bye in that three-game series to open up. There's just there's something about seeing a below 500 team mm. taking two out of three and that's enough to move on against a team that wins 105, 110 games in the regular I season. I understand. You know, it's going to be uh, interesting a year from now as we fast forward, not quite a year, but when baseball resumes in 2021 with the 162, I wonder how long it'll take before we hear the, you know, it was better when there was only 60 games. Right. This is yeah. too long of a season. Mm-hmm. It has been different. There's no question about it. It's been fun. It's been, uh, it was good last night not to have any NHL, not to have any NBA, not to have any NFL or CFB. RCFF, see college football stopped there uh, to get in the way of baseball. Right? It was it was fun to uh, just uh, devote the entire night of sports viewing uh, to, to baseball last night because it was good. Watch the co- a drone delay of all things. Right? Two thousand. Speaking of two thousand twenty, a drone delay at Wrigley Field last night. John Lester, in all likelihood, making his final start uh, as a Cub at Wrigley Field when he apparently got a little emotional after game after the game when he was answering that question. Um, you know, the Cubs swept the Indians, and as you said, the Indians are going the wrong way yeah. at the wrong time right now. Got clubbed by the Twins, got clubbed uh, here in this series against the against the Cubs, and you wonder... And by the way, Twins-Cubs this weekend. Yes. Including Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN at 6. First time the Twins have been on Sunday Night Baseball in a decade. It's. You know, I understand they, they gravitate to the Yankees. Yeah, but still, I mean, don't don't aren't you... Almost compelled to show at least once a year. Right. 
and you go through that schedule that comes out for Sunday Night Baseball every single year. It's the same. It's Red Sox, Yankees, five, over, six rinse games. And repeat. Yeah, you get a, maybe a little bit of variety. You'll get a Cubs, Cardinals, uh-huh. maybe two of those games. Giants, over the Dodgers. But outside of that, I know you want to grow your sport. You want to grow these other other teams. I understand how regional baseball is in comparison to pretty much every other sport we talk about, but. To do that, you got to grow things. We're, we're talking about the Twins. We're not talking about right. just some sad sack. We're not the Marlins. Right. This isn't yeah. the Padres. Mm-hmm. This has been although they're going to get some Sunday night appearances in the years ahead. I would think absolutely. But you're talking about a organization that has had a good run and has been a good team, and, and to not be there in a decade just leaves you scratching your head. But yeah, I we're going to get that. a great pitching matchup though in that one. Yeah, Darvish Barrios, right? Yes. And Barrios is a five-inning pitcher now, but mm-hmm. uh he was really good in his last five uh, innings. By the way, Oda Rizzi last night a blister took him out, right? Yes. Boy, he's had a rough go. Yes, he has. Whoa, rough going. He was pitching pretty well last night. He was, which I was very surprised by. I wondered him coming off the IL just how good he was going mm-hmm. to be, but he was mowing him down and then that Twins bullpen Yes, just very good. Do you hear Jason Benetti telling the story about Jake Odorizzi? No, that, that, I, uh, I was listening to. So they the other were. Um, I, guess, I guess Benetti. What did he say? Was at a mall or something before <laughs> the pandemic, and obviously during the off season. And some guy came up to him at a, at a food court. And said, hey, Jason, um, I, I really appreciate your work. I like your work. And um, Benetti turned to him and said, "Well, thank you very much." And he didn't know who he was talking to. And then <laughs> Odorizzi introduced himself to yeah, I'm Jake Ed Odorizzi from the Twins. And then, anyways, pretty cool story. Yeah, I, I like Benetti and Stone. That's a really good crew. It is good crew. Really good crew. They do a great job. They're uh, certainly in the top ten, I would say, of yeah. baseball teams uh, across baseball. As we've at this said point. during the season, people are finding them for the first time because it was tough to watch the White Sox. Right? Yeah, they were good. Uh-uh. And neither was the Hawk at the end no. of his career. That was a tough listen. I know if you're a White Sox fan, he's your guy. I get it. But mm-hmm. uh, if you're not a White Sox fan, uh, it was a, it was a tough listen. Anyways, uh, so one little nugget came out yesterday uh, pursuant to the Big Ten and their return to play uh, and the fact that they're going to. One thing I, I didn't see at all yesterday until late or didn't know about this uh, apparently, look, as you would imagine or as you would hope, uh, there were plans being put on the drawing board, if you will, for, for what football is going to li- look like if indeed they couldn't return until January, which was kind of the, um, um, I don't know, the consensus. If, uh, that might not be the right word, but that was certainly one of the possibilities. The January was going to be when we saw Big Ten football for the first time. The schedule that they were television-wise uh, tinkering with, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and a Monday night game in January uh, in the Big Ten. Of course, Monday night football's over by mm-hmm. then. Um, that would have been pretty cool. It would have been cool. I mean, I'm glad we got it now. Yeah, don't let, get me let, wrong. But thank God we don't have to worry about right, that. Right, but, but that would have been unique. I wonder what kind of numbers it would have done, Trent, because people are used to, at that time of year, Mm -hmm. watching football on Monday night, right? I mean, the College Football National Championship in January, Week 16 is the final Monday night game. The NFL, that's usually around Christmas, so a couple of week breaks, plus you got bowl games on Monday night normally. People are, um, you know, they're used to that. You know, we've talked about how big Monday just doesn't have the same feel it used to for college basketball once we get through you know that part of the season and we get into the middle of January growing up it was the big east and yeah. you had those monster games and you had the Georgetowns against St. John's and Nova taking on Syracuse such and, a great conference trend for so long and we don't have that anymore uh-huh. 
they try over on FS1 to put some of those Big East games. It just it doesn't have the same feel. You put a Big East, you bid, put a Big Ten football game up there. <laughs> it would have done huge numbers. It would have. What have they been playing for? Nothing. Yeah, that's just it. No, and, but it was cool that they at least were, yeah. you know, trying to uh, capitalize and to uh, maximize, I guess, the, the opportunities that they would have got television-wise. Well, we do know college basketball is coming back the 25th of November. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Bob Bowlesby was, uh, I think it was Randy Peterson on Twitter today, want to give him credit uh, that the, apparently Bowlesby uh, and uh, tweet, uh, P- Tweety, Petey tweeted back and forth, and uh, the Big 12 will play a full round Robin schedule. Uh, at least that's the plans as of today. Uh, so we should get some clarity on basketball schedules coming up. But November the 25th is indeed uh, when uh, basketball is going. college basketball is going to resume. That's the day before Thanksgiving that things will get started. There's still conversations. So that, a Wednesday night they're going yes, to play? That's when they're going to get going there. In. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, I thought they should have maybe started on Tuesday, a day earlier. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, it sounds like... There's still talks of the Champions Classic. Uh, Listen to Matt Norlander yesterday from CBS. He was talking about this. Champions Classic still possibly being that first event of the year on that Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And maybe not just a one-off game, but each team, not a full round robin, but each team would play two games where they, uh, they have this event. So that's a possibility of that happening. Not three games, but it will be two. So you'll get to see extra of those top four level teams. Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, Duke couple games against each other and then of course we continue to hear the stories of the exec tournaments a lot of them are making their way to orlando to the bubble that is already in place at disney there's going to be a lot of events happening in south dakota by the way speaking of bubbles 2021 the dates for the ncaa tournament Mm -hmm. those venues apparently have been taken off the website yeah which makes a lot of sense i think you're going to what does that mean does that mean bubble i think not probably not a singular bubble but they're going to compacted even more Mm -hmm. so instead of having eight sites in the first round maybe it's four sites it's hundreds of millions of dollars is what they don't want to leave on the table yes there was conversations yesterday about the field not being 68 this year and it going small i don't see that see trent i've I've read that two months or two weeks whatever it's been it's been a while the inventory is just too important Mm -hmm. i just i would be absolutely shocked to see something like but that. But if happen. there is a single bubble, easier to put those, you know, mm-hmm. 32 teams, if that's what it's going to be. We'll see. I think, um, yeah, I don't think anything's set in stone as to how many teams. Well, we, we, what did we hear? Uh, was it Shashevsky? It was the ACC, and it, everybody gets in. All right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and that seemed like a stretch at the time. So we're seeing both extremes. Uh, but again, that proverbial drawing board and everything is on it at this mm-hmm. point. They're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And having somebody in charge with Gavit is a big oh, piece huge. of this, too. Somebody that is the point person that can have these conversations. You have to have a a strong recommendation, actually, was the wording, of four non-conference games. Because there was a concern out there that the major conferences would look at this and say, we know the MEAC, the mm-hmm. Summit League, they can't afford testing. But to not leave the little guy behind, good. at least four non-conference games is what is being strongly recommended by the NCAA. So at minimum, even if you play Four pay games, 20-game conference schedule, you'll have something. Now, if you're an exempt tournament, that's it counts as one, but it would be three games that you can play. So we'll see. We'll see what these schedules look at. I know there's a lot of teams out there, and really the team that this is most important to, how the scheduling goes, is Northern Iowa. They bring back preseason favorite. Mm-hmm. They bring back, of course, a really, really good mm-hmm. team that should be in consideration. Fringe 
top 25. I saw them in a few top 25s here throughout the summer. Going to be really good, but they had a nice schedule in place. Now what is it going to look like as, as Ben Jacobson has to scramble? Iowa, they're going to be fine. It doesn't matter how they schedule. They're going to be fine. They're going to have 20 games against Big Ten opponents. Even if they schedule four cupcakes, they would be fine. On the other hand, for you and I, getting that exempt tournament in, incredibly important. Getting a couple of games against other good mid majors. Do you think because of travel we maybe see Drake play one of the Iowa or Iowa State or no. you and I like why? No. You don't think so because of the, make the, the ease of travel during the COVID any chance? I mean, I'm not saying all down to Wells Fargo Arena, right? I just you, you, you a think one-off that, game. Yeah, that's what I mean. This is the year to do it if they're going to do it. I would think Drake possibly help the in-state team put a little money in their athletic budget. I don't know if you and I would bite that bullet still, though. I, I think there's still so much angst about the way everything went down. Well, I get that, but this is a different year. It is. And you can just get on a bus and you know ride the bus a couple hours. And if you're you and I and you get an opportunity against yeah. a heavyweight, a preseason top 10 team. You take it. You take it. Absolutely. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, because I don't know what if we'll have time to do this tomorrow. Uh, and this seems like a pretty good spot. We're going to get into a football craze here coming up. The Chiefs and the uh, Packers in the next segment. Then Lee Sterling is here. Dot, dot, dot. Bill Bender, Mark Morehouse. Um, High school slate this week. Mm-hmm. What kind of slate is it? Uh, I, I saw SCP hosting Valley is probably... Say, fair to say the marquee game of the week. Are there any others out there? That's the marquee game. And it's something, I don't remember if I brought it up to you on the air or not. But I don't think you did this week. This game has already 10 kids that have D1 offers or committed to play huh. at Division One football. There's never been a high school game no, like that in our state, has no, there? I can't think of one. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Nothing even close to what we have with Southeast Polk hosting uh, Valley on Friday night. We'll have that game here with the replay at 11 o'clock. I'll also be on the call with the live stream on CISN. But, yeah, that that one is D1 talent, high-level football, something we've never seen in our state before. And then the schedule just gets so weird. So, Johnston, after the upset against Dowling, mm-hmm. they go to Ankeny Centennial. Centennial's still trying to find their mm-hmm. footing, what they're doing offensively. So letdown, is that what you're saying? How about Waukee at Dowling over at Valley Stadium? Boy, that's a pretty big spot. Yeah, that's a big spot there. How does Dowling respond? And yeah. Waukee, I think, has been a surprise to people. Indianola pushed Dowling in week one. Mm-hmm. They'll be hosting Urbandale. Urbandale's off to a really good start. So pretty good matchups here this week, even with, of course... Where are the Ankeny Hawks? The Ankeny Hawks are... Oh, they're at Council Bluffs. They're over at TJ, so I'll be uh, quick, side, quick victory. Yeah. Get in the bus, back on the bus, get and continuous clock of the second half, and yeah. roll back against the Jackets in that matchup. But those are the big ones here, uh, at least at the four A level around Central Iowa. Speaking of the Hawks, any uh, resolution on Bruce at all? Still nothing. Now, what was the deal? They're going to mail him something. Yeah, he's just waiting for it to come in the mail. Why Couldn't he mail it? What's behind that? Seriously, I wish I knew. Because it why, seems why very just, vindictive, doesn't it? It sure does. They're going to put it in the mail. And just this just in, if you've been following the U.S. Postal Service, <laughs> right? it's, it's not exactly the quickest uh, for whatever reason. They were able to send an email saying that he wasn't eligible the day of the game, right. first game of the season. But they're going to send their decision via the U.S. mail. You can scan it. You can fax think. it. And this, this, this uh, meeting or this, you know, the back and forth... Was when? Last week? It was, yeah. And as of yesterday, there'd been nothing come in the mail yet? Hadn't seen anything. It feels very vindictive. It does. It feels like there is 
an ulterior motive here. Mm-hmm. And this is what you hate to see from a high school association. Yeah, you do, Trent. You do. The justification behind it. There's, aren't, aren't they supposed to be in the middle? You're right. Yes. Doesn't feel that way. It doesn't, does it? No. It doesn't. You know, what, what is the reasoning that these other transfers are fine, mm-hmm. but the Bruce family, mom moved with him? Yep. Is it as as, as simple know. as, well, these other families, they have a lot more money. So they can afford to just go in. Well, Bruce hired a, the Bruce family hired an attorney, did they not? They did. Yeah. That can't be cheap. Well, but what is he working on, too? I mean, that that's the other part. Maybe this is something for, we don't know the particulars behind it, but they did everything to the letter of the law mm-hmm. and still no. Mm. But if you have money, it's okay. That's the message that it sends to me. That's the message that that's how I read it. You got the money to do things exactly the way we want, you're fine. Yeah, I don't know enough about that to agree or disagree with you, so I'll uh, let your stand, because stand on your own. Because they do have a, they're paying rent, they're uh-huh. staying at somebody's basement, it's $100 a month. Now, if you're paying... That's p- what the, that's the relationship? The Bruce family, okay. yeah. That, that was reported out? by Matthew Bain of the Register. Okay. But if you can afford to just buy a house... Your own so, place. Your own so place. So if they would have had their own place, this would have been... I guess. A rubber stamp? Is, is that is that what it comes down to? So the, that's a bad look. So does, did Bain uh, put out an opinion in his piece? Does, did he believe that that was? No, I I didn't see anything like that. Just just the facts. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's living in somebody's basement. Their family and they're paying a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. The other families have come in. They've actually leased an apartment or right. bought a home, whatever. Uh, it bought is. a home or rented a house somewhere. And they're, it was crazy. It is. Um, no, we'll watch that, Trent. That's good info. I did not know. Anyways, we will talk Chiefs and Packers in the next segment and then sports wagering with Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, coming up at, uh, oh, 10 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock or thereabouts. He's got a handful of games. He was 4 0 last week, coming off a complete, like that, a clean sweep. So do you fade him this week? No, no. Yeah. Ride the hot hand. No? I don't know. Well, why not? We'll find out. Uh, Lee Sterling coming up at 10 minutes before 11. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Mark Morehouse from the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Uh, back into the rotation as the Hawks are back into the rotation. Well, not for a while, but what did I see? 37 days today is their first game. And 69 days until the tip-off of basketball. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, schedule. Haven't seen anything. Nope. Alvarez hinted maybe with by Friday. Well, it's Thursday. Dr. Min had at least his theory behind it. The what games, did Doc say? The crossovers that were already in place. So before. the two will remain? No. Well, because there was three because of a nine-game schedule. Oh, right. They're Going back to the original yeah. schedule before they even expanded to nine games, so what's I was, his, I was protected... Crossover was Penn State. Yeah. So that would still be on the board. Mm-hmm. The other one that was scheduled then before the expansion for the second crossover was Michigan State. Oh, I like that. I like Sparty, Iowa. So that would be in Kinnick Stadium. They'd go out to Penn State again. Those would be the two crossovers that they'd schedule. And of course, the fourteen, the six teams, excuse me, in the West. Nobody in the stadium or in the stands at Happy Valley. That'd be, that's going to be weird in all of them. It is. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Nick Athen next. Dave Sinekin as well. Miller and Condon till noon. NFL conversation coming up next. It's 1460 KX and 0 Sports Station, 1460 KX and O. Justin Thomas, four under. He leads the way early. 
Rory McIlroy, three under. Tiger Woods, who at one point was two over. He's got it going on. He's under par. He's one under. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, I know that there's a television station. NBC certainly rooting for Tiger in the hunt. Yes. Let's get Nick Athens. We talk Chiefs. Dave Sinekin coming up on the Packers. Uh, Nick Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on, Nick Athens. It was a week from tonight. The curtain went a uh, week from last week. Um, I don't know I'm trying to say. It was a week ago. Seven <laughs> uh, days ago. Uh, yes. We got you. Yeah, that the, uh, the Chiefs... Uh, began the fence of their crown. What did you see in that game, Nick? First of all, the cons- if anything, what concerned you that you saw on opening night? Oh, boy. Well, I think the only thing that really concerned me was the linebacker play was pretty weak. Um, you know, they had some injuries on the defensive line. They lost some guys in the secondary. But, you know, they the, honestly, the Texans game plan was so horrific uh, that it really wasn't all that difficult to defend in the last, uh, you know, eight minutes, nine minutes of the game that, you know, they kind of went into a little bit more prevent defense. But um, the linebacker play definitely has to increase. You know, Willie Gay Jr. has to get on the field. Taco Charlton has to get on the field. And if, they can, if those two guys can step up, you know, they got another tune-up game, another preseason game this weekend. <laughs> you know, get those guys some action and uh, and see if they can uh, if they can be ready for the Ravens game because that's, that's going to be the Chiefs, I think, biggest test all yep. year is that Baltimore in, in a couple of weeks or week and a half. Could be important. It might come down to a tiebreaker. It's just mm-hmm. it's crazy that a game that'll head. be played on September twenty eighth is going to be that important in the grand scheme of things. But uh, there is another team of the AFC that at least flexed their muscle a little bit. It was the Steelers on Monday night. Anything mm-hmm. there that said, all right, maybe this is going to be more than a two team race? Oh, I think so. I, I I've already too. predicted the Steelers to win the division, so um, they're going they're going to really be over Baltimore. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. Uh, listen. This has been Swan Song, and of all the Swan Song quarterbacks, between him, Brady, and Rivers, um, Breeze looked okay, um, Rodgers. Um, and I thought with everything that, that Roethlisberger had to overcome, it was a shaky start. Mm-hmm. Granted, they're playing the Giants. Um, they're not god-awful, but they're not great either. They're somewhere in between. I, I just think that defense in Pittsburgh is probably top two or three. They're the really good. I, I, I mean, I... That's a team I don't even want the Chiefs to face. Um, you know, even in Kansas City, that's going to be a that's going to be a tough sled because they're so smart defensively, they're so talented. They have no weakness between the secondary and the defensive line. If Roethlisberger can just manage the game and they can get a running game going, um, I, listen, I'm not high on the Ravens or their quarterback. I made that very clear <laughs> yes, on you your have. radio show. In fact, they're going to lose this weekend at Houston. You mark my words. Oh come on. Um, Oh, I'm telling you, Houston's going to have a well of a game. Just trust me on this. All right. But that, Pittsburgh scares me. So, I, yes, is that three, four team race in the AFC? Absolutely. You know, I think the Bills, they were shaky. They looked okay. You know, the Chiefs play the Bills. I mean, for the Chiefs, you know, I don't want to overshadow the Los Angeles class San Diego Chargers game this weekend. But, you know, the Ravens game is the game that they're looking forward to. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be a defining statement for this football team. To say, listen, now the Ravens talk, it ain't happening. We're going to go in your house. We're going to beat you. That's our mentality. And going back to your initial question, Ken, about last week's team, it was kind of a tune-up. They didn't throw the ball down the field very long or very far. They they ran a lot of you know average plays. It was a tune-up game, and I think they're looking at this week against the Chargers the exact same way. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as good as advertised, he certainly was in week number one. That's all they need is another weapon. And it sure looks like they've got one, Nick Athen. Yeah, I'm just I'm just upset at myself. I didn't draft him in the first round. He went like <laughs> two picks later than I had. 
And I'm thinking, yeah, I can't take him at number two. Or I think I had the second pick. I just couldn't take him. I took Barkley instead. And, you know, what a what a brain gem that was. <laughs> um, but, no, he looks great. Uh, everything is advertised. I mean, short yardage is going to be tough for him. You know, they're going to have to they're going to have to design some better running plays. You know, inside the goal line, you know, goal line area, if, if they want him to get more touches in the and you know, get score more touchdowns, um, because you can't stack eight or nine guys. I mean, he's got no nowhere to go. He's just he doesn't have that power, you know, to, to do that unless the hole opens up. But um, you know, he was terrific, and we haven't even really seen him catch the ball yet. And once he becomes acclimated in this offense. They've got to be smart, you know, limit him 20, 22, 23, you know, touches a game. But another running back eventually is going to have to step up to, 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 to give him a breather. But I thought it was interesting the Chiefs focused so much on their run game. And uh, I was impressed with their overall run game, uh, despite a couple of gaps in the, you know, the goal line. But this kid, you know, everybody told me from day one, you know, people I talked to in the organization and, and uh, you know, that this kid has got it. He's got to figure it out. He's gonna. He's the real deal. I didn't believe that. You know, he was. He was going to be this good this fast. But perfect system. Perfect head coach. Perfect offensive coordinator. Perfect system. You know, everything's running right for this kid right now. It'll be interesting to see against a really good defensive line. You know what he's able to do against the Chargers this weekend. After the decision of opting out this year for Devernay Tardif, there were. Concerns. So they go out on the waiver wire. They find Kalechi Assembly <laughs> and the former Cyclone. He was out there. I saw Andy uh, Reid has been singing his praises this week about the physicality that he plays with. It's pretty nice being the champs, and you can get a guy like this just to pop on and help out that offensive line. You know, when I grew up, Hank Stram always told me, you know, the pancake blocks for an offensive lineman is the Super Bowl. And I tell you, this kid had so many pancake blocks against Houston. <laughs> he opened up some holes for a player that I just thought. I haven't seen in a while. I mean, I love the doctor, but this is certainly an upgrade for the Chiefs' offensive line at that position. Uh, this kid was motivated. He couldn't have been happier to sign with the Chiefs. He waited for the right situation. You know, had to overcome, you know, all the mess and the madness and the injury with New York last year. But, man, if he made a difference in this offensive line, with Fisher, those two on the left side, Patrick Mahomes has very little to worry about. Um, and the run game, you know, if they continue to run to that side, you know, should be relatively strong. But, you know, you saw him do traps and pulls, and, you know, we haven't really seen that, a lot of that in Kansas City because they didn't feel confident, you know, that they had a running back that could that could be patient enough, you know, to slide into the hole and, and break free, and now they have that. So he was, he, was, he was probably their second or third best player in that football game on Thursday night. Nick, we will uh, talk to you a week from Monday. Uh, we'll preview that Baltimore Chiefs game with you on uh, on Monday game day. Thank you, Nick. Wait. I can't either. It's going to be a classic. Uh, PrimetimeSportsTalk.com for Nick. That's his website, so you can spend a uh, considerable amount of time there. Thank you, Nick Athen. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Yeah, good to talk to you. Uh, From the Chiefs to the Packers, Packers off on the right foot as well. Dave Sinekin is theheadcheese.com. That's Dave's blog. He joins the program. Uh, Dave Trenken, thanks for coming on, Dave Sinekin. How's things? Uh, Great. Uh, The week after Vikings victory up here, it's... uh... About as good as it gets. I bet it is. You know, I, I, I want to get into that game, obviously, but let, let's start with the uh, the Hall of Fame announcement. No Packers eligible first. Oh, I shouldn't say that. Charles Woodson, of course, he is. But I think of him more so as a Raider. Maybe not. Um, 
Woods, Woodson Manning clearly are going in uh, first opportunity, which will be this year. What about Calvin Johnson? The Packers saw him play a lot. Jared Allen, when he was with the Vikings, I don't think he's a first ballot guy. I think he'll get in eventually. Um, Manning, Tillman for sure. Charles Woodson with the Bears. Calvin Johnson with the Lions. Either of those two, from a Packer fan perspective, get in first ballot. Well, I think Calvin Johnson does. I know the career ended shorter, but I mean, I think anybody who watched Calvin Johnson play and didn't say that's a Hall of Famer uh, probably wasn't paying close attention. So, you know, the whole first ballot thing, you know, some guys for some reason have to wait, so maybe it's not right away. Uh, you might think of Charles Woodson as a Raider. Uh, I certainly don't. Um, yeah, he won a Super Bowl with you. Yeah, what he did for this team, and, yeah. and I was at that Super Bowl game where he broke his collarbone and and tried to play at it in the first half. And then, you know, following the game, we saw the emotional and heard about the emotional speech he gave to his teammates at halftime, knowing that he wouldn't be able to finish the game. And, you know, if you watch that second half, that defense was inspired. And then Woodson was a leader in a, and just a, I mean, to me, he is a lock instant Hall of Famer. And yeah, I'm biased because mm-hmm. of what he did for the Packer defense. But uh, I love that guy in Oakland, LA, wherever he played. Uh, he's absolutely a, a Hall of Famer for me. Middle of the second quarter Sunday, it's 8-7, but they've been on the doorstep a few different times, only field goals for the Packers. Dave, how frustrated were you, and did it feel like, at least at that point, maybe you let one slip away here, and and the opportunity to beat the Vikings had dwindled with all those missed opportunities in the red zone? Yeah, Trent, that's a great point, and I think a lot of people that see the score uh, would have no idea that, that I, like many Packer fans, was just doing that they had wasted three red zone trips and scored six points and and the, the play calling was kind of weird and it just seemed like man you're in minnesota against a, a defense that's not ready for prime time you you got to take advantage so it's eight seven and and you know we're happy but we're just feeling like it should be 17 seven and uh and obviously the the late touchdown interception touchdown gave us a lot more uh breathing room at halftime. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers uh, looked like he turned the clock back a little bit, Dave, at times uh, this past week. I know the Jordan Love thing, everybody says that motivated him, and I agree it had to uh, light a little bit of a fire, but boy, oh boy, I don't know if he needs it or not. He was so good. Uh, at least in week number one, four touchdown passes. Was he 32 of 42 or something crazy like that? Incredible numbers. Uh, he looked like Aaron Rodgers uh, hasn't lost anything. Yeah, for sure. It was his best performance in a long time. And it's funny that you followed the team over the summer and the early fall, and, and he just had, had this way about him that everybody said he hasn't looked as comfortable, this, this confident in a long time. And he spoke about watching old film or what he was doing 10 years ago with his footwork. And, and he just he seems at peace, you know, and maybe personally and professionally he actually feels that way. But the, the big difference on Sunday, guys, was, you know, in recent years, Rodgers would, would stand back there and move around and hold the ball, waiting and waiting for someone to get open. And it was so frustrating. There were so many throwaways. We saw, I think, one throwaway on Sunday. He got the ball out, I think, an average of two and a half seconds. And not because he was worried about a pass rush, but that was the game plan, to just to, to find guys quickly and let them do their thing. And, and, man, it was so effective. And, obviously, when you've got a guy like Devontae Adams and they're trying to throw something called Holton Hill up against him, <laughs> right. I mean, that's just not a fair fight. And, and then they tried Cam Dantzler, the, the third-round pick. And, and so there was a huge mismatch mm-hmm. there with, with Adams and the Vikings secondary. Combine that with a lack of pass rush. Rodgers was fantastic. 
But I, you know, I think a lot of quarterbacks are going to have success against that defense until they get to Neil Hunter back. Yeah, that's for sure. You, you mentioned the offense, some of the clunkiness early on, but saw so many different dimensions. Something we didn't see a ton of last year with Lafleur's offense. Tyler Irvin, you mentioned a year ago how important he was getting him part of the run game, but using those speed sweeps and getting him to the outside. They use Lazard in the run game. A lot of different factors here, a lot of different dimensions. Is this what the run game is going to look like, a lot more moving parts this season? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's trickeration. It's it's putting the same group out there and, and having them all do different things, like McVay likes to do, like Shanahan likes to do, and uh, the jet sweep just befuddled the Vikings defense. Yeah. Tyler Irvin. Only had three carries, but he averaged 12 yards a carry. And uh, you said Lazard also got one. Yeah, it's something this offense in recent years has lacked, and that's creativity. And, and you know, you see that now with this new scheme. And, and Urban was brought in as a returner and really rescued the team late last year as far as the punt returns go, and he's been really good. And they, they see the speed. That's just something that the most of the wide receivers lack. So to have a guy like that that they can use, and, and, and just to dovetail on that, guys, you know, the Packers' offensive line Sunday came in really messed up with no right tackle. Elton Jenkins, the, the fine left guard, started at right tackle. He played one game in college at right tackle. Uh, and then Lucas Patrick goes in at left guard. He goes down in the first, second quarter. Now Jenkins has to move back to left guard. Ricky Wagner comes in. Then Lane Taylor gets carted off. And I think, um, you know, for an offensive line that was dealing with all kinds of issues on Sunday, I, I really tip my hat to the coaching staff, to the guys that played, because – there were a lot of moving parts, and they still helped an offense gain over 500 yards against Mike Zimmer. I just think it really shows, you know, rookie John Runyon comes in and plays right guard. He never played guard in Michigan, and then he held his own at right guard. So I just think with a lot of moving parts, to do that to Mike Zimmer's defense, I think it gives a young team a lot of confidence. Yeah, they were really good, and Rogers' numbers would have even been better if Valdez Scanley could catch the football yeah. and hit some right, right hands a couple of times. Right. Uh, Kenny Clark, uh, what, what's the prognosis, I guess? It sounds like he's probably not going to play this week. How long could this potentially be? I believe it's a groin, right? Yeah, I guess he kind of slipped on the turf at U.S. Bank and felt his groin pull a little bit. He's had core muscle injuries in the past. That's been the one thing that's Knocked him out of a game or two here and there. Uh, you can't hustle Kenny Clark back. As thin as Green Bay is on the D-line, and it is the thinnest spot on the roster. Uh, they brought in a guy, Billy Wynn, who's been around seven or eight years, to put him on the practice squad. They'll probably elevate him uh, to the uh, main roster and put uh, Lane Taylor on IR this week to give them some depth. But, man, between Dean Lowry, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, there's not a lot of talent on the D-line when Kenny Clark's not out there, so... Yeah, you got Detroit, you got to go to New Orleans the following week, and then Atlanta at home before the bye. It's an early bye for Green Bay. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if Kenny Clark, you know, sits out through the bye. I, you know, I'd love to get him back sooner, and I have no inside information, but just reading the tea leaves with a groin and with his history, uh, if I could uh, know that I'm going to have Kenny Clark coming out of the bye with the toughest four games of the season on deck, uh, I'll be patient and wait for him. The Lions this week, you think it'd be a layup, but both games last year came down to the wire. And before that, the Lions had won four straight in this series here. Maybe not the layup a lot of people are anticipating for the Packers this weekend. Your thoughts? I agree 100%. Um, You remember the two games last year? Green Bay never led in either game Hmm. until the final horn when they won the game at the end of the game. Detroit has played Green Bay very tough. They have Big injury issues, though, with Kenny Galladay likely out. Jeffrey Okuda may not be ready. Their cornerback spot is stressed, and they don't rush the passer, which 
tells me that Green Bay should be able to move the ball, but I, I worry defensively uh, against uh, Detroit, who's uh, even without Galladay, Marvin Jones has made a career playing against the Packers. Uh, the running game looks looks good, and Green Bay did not do a great job uh, against the run. Not terrible, but obviously the Bikes were out of the game, and they had to abandon the run early. I think Detroit stays with Green Bay on Sunday. I just think the way they lost last week, giving the game to Chicago, knowing that this is a huge game, I, I, I think it's a close game. I, I do expect Green Bay to win, but it has kind of a 24-20, feel to it. Any fans at Lambeau this weekend, Dave? No, uh, no fans for the first two games for sure. Their, okay. their third game isn't until November 1st, and that is the Vikings. So we're all holding out <laughs> hope that, that things might change for the November 1st game. But, yeah, for these first two uh, against the Lions and Falcons in week four, uh, they will not have fans. We'll talk to you in advance of that Sunday night primetimer in New Orleans next week. Thank you, Dave Sinek and theheadcheese.com. The blog will be out when with the preview? Uh, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. You got it. Take Good care, to talk guys. to you. com. Dave Sinekin, Nick Athen on the Chiefs, Chiefs Insider on Twitter, primetimesportstalk.com for Nick. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, coming off a perfecto. That's right. He started 4-0 last week. Can he keep it up? We'll hear what he has to say next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. com. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Well, it was a difficult for week for some of us with our picks. That's not the case with Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. He joins us each and every Thursday at this time. Last week at this time, he gave us four games, and he swept the board. You threw a perfecto, Adam Lee Sterling. Well done. Nice start for you. How are you? Thank you. That's it. I quit. Yeah, you should. <laughs> right. There was there was a handicapper one time. I think he went three and one on the uh, first week, and he was turning in his games to the sports monitor and never turned them in again. And for the rest of the year, he claimed he was seventy five percent. Oh, you so. signed for seventy five percent any day of the week. You were a hundred percent last week. Let's get into this week. Yep. Uh, we've got uh, one college game you're going to talk about. It's the early game, one of the might be the best game of the weekend. Uh, Baylor's right. a four and a half point favorite. They'll play Houston as the Bears yep. see action for the first time. How do you see this one? Well, the, I mean, returning starters, Houston returns nineteen out of twenty two starters, right up there. Uh, are they as talented as Baylor? I don't think so, but. You know, they've had trouble, you know, pulling off the upset, except for Arizona in 2018. And Arizona's um, no great shake. Uh, they've had trouble versus the big boys. They've lost to Texas Tech twice, Memphis three times in a row, Oklahoma. That's, you know, that's nothing wrong with losing them. And even Washington State. So I, I just think that Baylor has the better talent. I think Dave Aranda, uh, even though he's a new head coach, uh, his you know, his background is in defense. Mm-hmm. He can piece together a respectable defense, even on only two starters return. They have a couple guys who were injured the year before, and they got some transfers in there. And Charlie Brewer, one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12, and three offensive line starters, I think, is a big plus for the first game. So I like Baylor here, 34-28 over Houston, but it should be an exciting game. Going to lay the points there with the Bears. Let's stick in the Big 12. Oklahoma State, our first look at the Cowboys and that high-powered offense taking on their in-state brethren, the Golden Hurricane of Tulsa. What do you see in this one? You know, Tulsa's got to be pumped up to play the big boys. 
They they are. Uh, even I don't know if you guys realize this. I think the school has under five thousand enrollment. Were you aware of that? No, yeah, I had it's a no real idea. small school. Yeah, it is that small. So I think them and Rice, uh, two of the smallest. Mm-hmm. Even the University of Miami is small, under ten thousand. So uh, here's the problem for Tulsa. You know, in the game last year when they lost forty to twenty one. Uh, Oklahoma State outgained them 506 to 396, and Oklahoma State was minus two in turnover ratio. Uh, they're better this year. They have seven returning starters on offense. They have a experienced sophomore quarterback in Spencer Sanders, uh, or maybe the best running back in the country in Chubba Hubbard, and two receivers in Tylen Wallace, and also they add in a transfer from Washington State, Tay Martin. How good is this guy? Well, he only had 18 touchdown receptions <laughs> the last three years at Washington State. So uh, they also returned 10 starters on defense. So here's the problem for Tulsa, two new safeties, two sophomores. So you know, Oklahoma State likes to throw the ball down the field. In fact, they average throwing the ball down the field six times a game. We're talking about takeoff patterns, uh, posts, corners, as much as any one of the country. And then in, even in, in run support, you know, you take the wrong angle on Chubba Hubbard, he's going 75, 80 yards. On top of that, a true freshman kicker and a redshirt freshman punter. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. I'll take Oklahoma State big, 52-17. Nice. Well, the line to a 23 is that number. Well, one of my yeah. biggest takeaways from week one in the NFL, Lee Sterling, was the Steelers' defense. Look out. Roethlisberger on the offense looked good as well. Uh, they will host the Denver Broncos on a short week. The Steelers, seven-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Well, you, you hit a couple things on the head, uh, you know, a short week, number one, it's a big disadvantage. That was a physical game that they played on Monday night, and now they got to go to Pittsburgh, which may be the most physical defense in football. They're going to face eight-man fronts, and I just don't see Denver running the football. So it's up to Drew Locke, and he's going to have to move them down the field. You saw that the Giants couldn't do it. Uh, with a young quarterback. Also, they're without Von Miller for the season, so that's tough. And Pittsburgh is, I, I, I think their offense is going to be really good. I mean, I think Benny Snell is even better than James Conner. I've been mm-hmm. saying that since he was drafted. He's starting to come into his own. Uh, no playoffs for the last two years. This is a very hungry team. And uh, how about Derek Watt? When they bring him in a fullback, just pulverizing people for Benny Snell. I like Pittsburgh here, 27-17. Going with Pittsburgh in the cover. We finish up the defending champion, Kansas City. Goes on the road to L.A. The Chargers, their first look at the new stadium, at least inside with a game. What do you got here? Eight and a half the number with Kansas City. So here's what's interesting. Okay, so you have maybe the best quarterback in the game, except for, you know, Jackson for, for Baltimore. How many times, they played him four times. Out of the four games, how many times do you think that Patrick Mahomes has thrown for over 300 yards against the Chargers defense? Uh, with Derwin James out, uh, two. Zero. Wow. Zero for four. Now, I know Derwin James is, I think, one of the best three or four defensive too. players in the NFL. But you still got Joey Bosa. You got Melvin Ingram. Uh, this is a good defense. I mean, you're bringing in Rayshon Jenkins for, for, you know, off the bench to play safety. You bring in Chris Harris from Denver. This is a solid defense. They don't have injuries at linebacker like they had last year. Denzel Perryman is back this year. I, I think this defense is going to do a number on Kansas City. Kansas City looked great opening week once they got going, but still had one of their guards. He's not playing this year due to COVID. And 
It's on the road here. I expect the Chargers to keep it closer. I think Kansas City wins 30-27, to 27, but uh, I like the Chargers plus the 8.5 at home. Chargers to cover. Your yep. game of the week is a couple of uh, teams looking for their first win of the year. Either the Vikings or the Colts will be 0-2. The game is in Indianapolis. Uh, it's your game of the week. If the uh, listeners want any more information, how do they reach you, Lee? Yeah, must-win game for both teams. You you don't want to fall behind 0-2. You're probably not making the playoffs. So if you want to get Indy in Minnesota. And how about this? I have a strong, very strong opinion on the total tonight, Cincinnati and Cleveland. I'll give you both games for free. Just call 800-400-9741 right now. You can get both Indy and Minnesota and Cleveland and Cincinnati tonight for free. 800-400-9741. And we won week one. We won last week in the college and the NFL. I have my first 40 to 50 unit selection of the year going and over 75% over the last dozen years on these 40 to 50 unit plays. They happen very rarely. You can get two weeks of action. You're going to get 10 to 12, 10 to 13 games every week, including this 40 to 50 unit selection, two weeks, just $297, ParamountSports.com. Thank you, Lee. We'll talk to you in a week. Okay. Thanks, guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Got the Chargers covering. Mm-hmm. You're buying? No, I think Mahomes is going to tear him apart. On the road. And nobody there. Still got to travel, though. I'm with him. Got to travel. Uh, I, I I do agree. I think I, I feel bad for Drew Locke. I hope they don't hurt him. I heard a handicapper. His number now for home field advantage, 1.7 is that in the what NFL. It is? Interesting. Bill Bender, Sporting News. Mark Morehouse on the Hawks. Hour 2 coming up next.